Good afternoon and welcome to New Beginning Radio, where we'll plant a seeds today for a better tomorrow, walking you out of the darkness and into the light. Not only are we talking about the issues, but we're finding solutions for the problems that we deal with every day. And joining me today is my co-host, Mr. Sheldon Gooch. Mr. Gooch, how are you today? I'm fine, Ms. Anderson. How are you today? I am absolutely wonderful. Oh, I tell you what, you must have had a great week. I did have a wonderful week. The average person could end their week looking the way you look. <laughs> we're excited to be back with you again. And we're excited that you have joined us on this broadcast. Be okay if I say a word of prayer? Absolutely. Okay. Dear Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the platform that you have given us, Father, the New Beginnings Radio, Father. And, and Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in, in all that we do and say. Father, we pray for those who are listening right now that are relating to the things that they hear, Father, that they would receive healing in the name of Jesus, Father. We thank you for all of our listeners, supporters, those that give us feedback, those that give us encouraging words. Bless them, Lord. And Father, I just pray that this broadcast would, again, bring you glory, and we'll give you the praise and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. The Bible says, pray ye one for another that ye may be healed. Amen. We are people of prayer and we're committed to praying for those that are listening. Yes. Tell us about Geneva Foundation mm -hmm. Incorporated. Geneva Foundation is a nonprofit organization that deals with women that have gone through forms of abuse, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, sexually, spiritually, uh, financially. And, and one thing that we learn when we're in the darkness, one of the things that we try to do at the foundation is bring people out of that dark place mm -hmm. into a better light. Right. And right. so we're just working with different women, you know, that, that, that are interested in, well, I should say, have been sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. So now they want something different. You know, we get in a habit of being in a rut and going through the same thing over and over and over again, and we think it's going to change. Nothing changes until you make a different decision mm -hmm. about life. And once you make that decision, will it be hard? Absolutely, because you're so used to being in a rut. Right. But if you stick to that decision mm -hmm. and want it to do better for you, your family, your community, then God will show up for you for anything that you want in your life. Mm -hmm. Because John 14, 14 says, ask anything in your name and it shall be given. I live with that prayer. Well, I know that's your, one of your favorite scriptures. And, yes, it is. And you had a visitation from the Lord that, Amen. that he <laughs> inspired you to find that in the Bible. Yes, he did. Yeah, that's powerful, powerful. Well, just very quickly, this broadcast, as well as last week's broadcast, is sponsored by Geneva Foundation Incorporated, as well as I Am Free, Inc. I Am Free, Inc. is a, is a ministry where we deal with ex-offenders and people who are transitioning out of incarceration, seeking mentorship, coaching, leadership, and guidance into making a smooth transition. No one knows the anxiety that an ex-offender feels upon coming out all of a sudden free and uh, having experienced that myself is my mission and my goal to help people coming out of prison help them to make a smooth transition and to chart a new course on life and we are excited to be in partnership with geneva foundation and we collaborate i we're so excited to have you good i was telling a group the other night if you ever have a problem thinking God is not there, let me tell you a story about a man that got life of 60 years in prison and you know where at one point you, you were doing so many different things in your life and if we keep doing things that we don't have any business doing, sooner or later you're going to get caught. So you're talking about crime? A crime, oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> and I'm sure at one time you may have thought that was the end of it. But that was only the beginning mm. of your life. 
that yeah. that when you heard that life plus 30 plus 30, you immediately probably thought your life was over. I did. And you were going to do whatever you wanted to do when you was in prison because it did not matter. That's right. Until a little short lady stepped into your life and made a difference. Wendy Hatcher. Wendy Hatcher came into your life and made a difference wow. because she saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself. Mm. That she was purposed there just for that. Wow. She was purposed there just for that. Amen. Amen. So, and when we think life is at the end, it's only the beginning. Mm. So I'm proud to have you a part of, of not only Geneva Foundation, but also New Beginning Radio. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, listen, um, we want to get right back into part two of your story. And ladies and gentlemen, if you did not catch last week's episode, when we were talking about the Colleen Sanders story, I encourage you to go to New Beginnings Radio Archives, bbsradio.com slash newbeginnings, and click on the archives. You will be completely blessed by the story of the beautiful Miss Colleen Sanders. But get your Kleenex, <laughs> and you're going to need it. But we're here today to talk about the rest of your story. And so let's talk about some of the impact Geneva Williams, your mother, uh, had on you as a young girl. I remember stories about chickens and I remember stories about um, being on the front porch on, on Saturday and her braiding your long pretty hair and, <laughs> and, 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 and schooling you about life. Tell us. Uh, tell us about the chickens. You know, growing up, we had uh, we lived in the country, so there was a lot of wildlife and it, um, also a lot of chickens. And it is amazing because we started feeding. We started out with twelve. Twelve chickens. Twelve chickens, and I remember this so well because I remember my dad went and got them from somebody. It was twelve chickens, and. We started feeding the chickens, and it, it is amazing because we could look up the highway, and chickens would come, would come down to our house around 12 noon because they knew that's when we was taking old cornbread that uh, no one had eaten, and me and my mom would be sitting on the front porch, and hmm, sitting on the front porch, my mom would be combing and braiding my hair. You know, we used to have that, we used to call it Crisco, but it wasn't Crisco, it was something else that she would put on our, put on my hair. And, you know, we had that water wave going where you put grease and water and make, make it look good. Watch out, man. And, you know, and, and I remember sitting there uh, several Saturdays throwing out cornbread and chickens would just come. And it just looked like they came from everywhere. We started with 12, and there was hundreds. I mean, just coming from other people's houses on the, on the road to, to our house. And they would be sitting there eating cornbread. And I can remember uh, there was trees that was on the side of the house. And you would see some down there eating. And there would be a rooster and a hen at the top of the, uh, at the end by the road. And I would always wonder why those two was always standing there, <laughs> you know. And I would ask my mom, I said, well, why are they up there? You know, it's always the rooster in the hen. And she would say, that's the mother and the father. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she would tell me that um, they're watching out for everybody else. And I said, well, why are they, the other ones are under the tree down there? She said, someone taught them how to feed themselves. <laughs> And uh, and I said, wow. And we were sitting in there, and we constantly talk about the chickens. And I said, well, why are they fighting? They're just scratching and scratching. And she said, that's how people are. She said, sometimes family have to scratch and scratch just to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. She said, but it's going to come a time when they learn how to eat for themselves. Because you see the rooster in the hand. She said, you're going to be that hen. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be taken care of all the other babies in the neighborhood. Wow. And I thought that was a joke. <laughs> and Reality set in. It, so it, it was just so many little different things that 
that my mother taught me when we were sitting there. On Saturday, there was always a story about something. Mm. And that story was for me to learn. Right. You know, and I associate a lot of things to this day with chickens, you know. I think about when I was growing up and how we didn't have a lot. I often thought about those, even after I got grown, you know, still taking care of my daughter and, and hard times. I still thought about what my mother said about chickens, mm. how sometimes you have to scratch and scratch just to make ends meet, right. but there will be someone to come along and teach you. Mm. And I've had that to happen in my life. Tell me about, about the green moss at the lake. and Wow, yeah. We used to have a old pond. You know, back in the days, you wanted to call it a lake, but it was a pond. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and it would grow up, and it would have moss, like green moss everywhere. It would just be everywhere. And you could barely see the water. And I would ask my mom, I said, what is that right there? And she would say, what? And I would take a stick and I would throw it. And there was a little red flower that was growing. And I would ask her, "What does? how can that flower grow? And all of that moss and everything else seemed to be dead. Mm-hmm. And she says, it's because you're surrounded by the mess. Right. Don't make you a part of the mess. Uh, <laughs> and you know, to this day, you know, you can get involved with people or involved with things that totally take you out of that character who you, well, other people have take themselves out of a character. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that even though you know them, mm-hmm. you don't have to be a part of that. So that was another thing that she taught me is because you're surrounded by all the chaos, mm-hmm. don't make you a part of it. There's Bible for that. It says, you know, we are in the world, but mm-hmm. we're not of yep. the world. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, we are set apart. So that that is awesome. She was a very wise woman. What about the tongue? When she talked about how the tongue can, can really hurt people. Back in the days, you know, you would say stuff that you probably shouldn't have any business saying. She would always say the tongue would cut like a sword. Mm-hmm. And you have to be mindful of what you say out of anger. Because the truth of an individual person will always come when you're angry and when you're drinking. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So you have to be mindful of what the tongue will say Mm -hmm. during that time because it's words that you can't take back. You hurt somebody with it, it's like a knife. You cannot take it back. Wow. So I'm always mindful for what I say to other people in anger. (laughs) One of the most amazing stories that I remember so well that my mom taught me. Back on the porch with the chickens. (laughs) And we would be sitting there. And she would be sitting behind me and I'd be sitting on a bucket. (laughs) And she would be combing my hair. Just combing my hair. And all of a sudden she would get up and run. And take my head with her sometime. <laughs> and sometime I would I would wonder, where are you going? Where are you going? And she was saying, I, I gotta make I gotta do this. And I said, Well you gotta do what? And it was just like she would jump up like somebody had scared her. And she would run in the kitchen, she'd make peanut butter jelly sandwiches and and she would put water in an old mine age jar <laughs> and put it in a brown paper bag. And I said, what is that for? And she said, we're going to have company. (laughs) And I would say, company? I said, nobody's coming. Mm -hmm. And she said, we're going to have company. Just just go back and sit down. Let me finish your hair. We're going to have company. And so she would go and sit down, finish my hair. A few minutes later, we'll look look up, and there is a man walking down the road. And it was just like he knew to come to the house. He just turned in. He walked up. He would tip his hat at us and say, how you doing? My mom said, I have something for you. She'd get up and go in the kitchen, and she would get that bag that had the, the water and peanut butter sandwiches in it and gave it to him, and he would tilt his hat, and he would leave. Wow. And I would say, how do you know that? She said, well, that's how the Spirit of the Lord. And I said, what does that mean? And she says, <laughs> um, God would tell you what you need to do if you listen to him. And I would say, listen to God, and she would say yes. She said, you have to listen to him. 
And so I didn't even think about it anymore. And a couple Saturdays, same thing happened over and over again. And, uh, and she would say, well, let me go and fix sandwiches. Someone is coming. And that time she fixed two bags. And a few minutes later, there was a man and a woman coming down the highway. <laughs> they just walked into the driveway just like somebody called them. <laughs> wow. And they would just stand there and my mom would go and get the food and give them to it. And they would walk off and leave. Right. And I would say, could you teach me uh, how to do that? And she says, no, you just have to believe and, and listen to God because he talks to all of us. Right, and, right. and I said, do you think he'll talk to me? And she said, oh, yes, he'll talk to you. And so I went on and I, I practiced. <laughs> I practiced. And I, <laughs> I told her one day, I said, there's, there's somebody coming. I can feel it. I can feel it. And she would just look at me, and we would sit on the porch for hours and hours, and nobody showed up. Oh. <laughs> nobody showed up. And I said, well, why did he didn't come? She said, because she don't believe. And I asked her, I said, what, what does that feel like when God tells you to do something? She said, it's like a cold drink of water going down inside. She said, it's the most amazing feeling. And when you get that feeling, you'll know it's from God. And so one Thursday... It was, I was out playing and all of a sudden something hit me in the middle of my stomach and I went in the house and I was telling my mom, I said, dad is coming. And she says, no, he's not supposed to be here till Friday. And I said, no, he's coming. So I, and I said, I know it's like a cold drink of water. I said, he's coming. <laughs> I said, I can feel him. He's coming. She says, he's not going to be here until Friday. He's not coming on to Friday. And I could just feel it and it was just like this the most amazing feeling that I have ever felt. I started to get chill bumps on my arms just like somebody had thrown cold water on me. Right. And I'm sitting there going, Oh no, I know he coming. I know he coming. I got faith. I know he coming. <laughs> and at that time there was a hill that we could stand on at the house. Okay. And we could see cars coming. And I would look and there is this old green truck making this noise coming around the corner. And I was running in the house, jumping up and down. I said, Dad is coming, Dad is coming. She said, he's not coming till Friday. She said, calm down, he's not coming till Friday. <laughs> and a few minutes later, Mama heard the truck climbing the hill. And she looked at me and she says, oh my, <laughs> she says, she said, and I started crying. I was jumping up and down. I was started crying, and it was just like this most unbelievable feeling because I'm looking at my arms, and my mom is looking at my arms, and chill bumps was everywhere. And that was the first time that I felt the Spirit of the Lord. Wow. First well, time. I know, you know, she told you, uh, advised you to listen to the Lord and to yeah. do what he says and yeah. don't be afraid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I still do that. <laughs> well, the world could um, take a lesson from your mother on that. <laughs> yeah. Because we're, we're at a point now where we're not listening to the Lord. Yeah, that's and, true. And we are a wayward world at, um, as a result of it. You know, back in the days when a lot of things was much different than it is now, my father would go out and he would go out on Friday, come back Saturday morning. And women, that's, I guess they was used to it or adjusted to it or whatever. And during that time when a man would disrespect his wife, every woman in the community would go to that woman's house. You know, so when a take, woman would if a man would disrespect his wife or he left his wife for oh, someone okay. else, oh, it was just like, Women in the neighborhood, no matter where you were, mm. all over you, it's just like no phones, no mm. beepers, no nothing, no internet, but everybody knew to show up at 12. And women would come to other women's house and sit there, and they would sit and they would eat and they would have food, you know, and they would talk about uh, things that happened with the husband and wife, but what they did was they would sit there and pray for the husband to come back to the wife, which was... A little different than it is right now. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Way different. But I remember my dad 
doing some things that he probably shouldn't, well, I know that he shouldn't have done. And I would sit and I would watch my mom on the front porch and she would just rock back and forth. And I would wake up in the night and my mom was sitting there rocking back and forth, waiting for my dad to come home. And I remember her telling me to go in the house and go to bed. And I uh, went in the house, laid down. Mom's still out there. You could hear that rocking chair going back and forth, waiting for my dad to come. And that next day, he came, and it was just like nothing. Uh, he came in the house just like he hadn't been out all night. Mom had food ready for him. She did everything that a wife was supposed to do. But she would always tell me, you know, if a man, she said, you're a pretty girl. And she said, there are going to be men folks looking at you. And she says, just always remember, if a man has a wife, that's your sister. Uh, no matter who that woman is, if that man makes a pass that you or talk to you, right. you never cross that fence because your biological sister or your spiritual sister is still your sister. Mm -hmm. So you have to respect, you have to respect her as well. Right. Right. And she would always tell me, always be a lady, no matter what happens in life, you always remain a lady. So I always tried to do that, is to remain a lady right. at all times. Well, that's all we've ever seen, those of us who know you. Uh, but uh, even females will say to you, and I've heard them say, I want to be like you. You're always a lady. <laughs> oh, you know? yeah. And, you know, it's not very popular these days. Yeah. You know? But uh, but I, I applaud you for, for the grace and, and character that you display, you know, from day to day. Tell us about all these cars and houses and... <laughs> clothes and jewelry and money that you'll give away because your mother said that, that you would. Tell us about the conversation she had when she was telling you that, and how you felt at that time when she was talking about it. I felt like she was delusional, but I didn't know what the word meant. <laughs> okay. I mean, wait a minute. So you ain't got, you don't have running water. I mean, yeah. You don't have a gas stove. Uh, you using coal oil for, for lamps. But she's telling you, you're going to give away cars and houses. What was your... Again, I thought she was delusional. I thought it was be any day now <laughs> that somebody was going to take her away. You know, because we did grow up so poor. I never could imagine in my mind it would be anything differently than that. And that's really sad to say, but that is so true. I, I could not see past... I couldn't see past that, you know, right. even though when life changed and we had running water and, and we ended up with a telephone, you know, it was just like everybody else had all this but us, you oh, know, on wow. that whole entire street of 550, everybody had running water, they had uh, telephones, but us. Lights. Lights, mm -hmm. but us. But you even told me it was a step up when you got an outhouse. Oh, man. Yeah. Because it was before it was Crazy. the woods. <laughs> <laughs> you know, outhouse? I mean, hey, that's just like a filet mignon. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, you know, an outhouse, we didn't know what that was. We just go out there and, you know, go on a tree. You know? <laughs> I'm serious, but that that was pretty much life, you know? Yeah. And some people had it and some didn't. Right. We just didn't. You know, and I, I could just never see anything differently mm -hmm. than that. And and I just remember my mom sitting there and we, and me and her sitting on the porch and the porch was off the ground and we we're swinging our feet. <laughs> and she would tell me that, you know, you always stay on the road that's less traveled by. Didn't know what the road that's traveled by meant then. I thought if you see a car coming down the road, you step over on the other side. That's what I thought the road less traveled by meant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's that's what that's what I thought, you know. And I I never thought I would grow because in going to school you, you would have people say, Oh, she ain't nobody. Who is she? She ain't nothing. And that stuck in my head wow. for such a long time. 
And my mom was saying, she says, oh, you're going you gonna to do so well. <laughs> and because I remember the question that I asked, I said, will we always live like this? Because I could go into Caseyville and there were other people that was living in the big houses. They had running water. They had maids, which my grandmother was one of them. You know, they had all these beautiful things and the kids, their kids always had the best of everything. We got an opportunity to have the ha the hand-me-down of all of those mm -hmm. old things. But but yet and still, it, was, it looked like everybody on that side of town was perfect. And everybody on my side of town was nothing, you know. Wow. I didn't have anything. Yeah. And and uh, me asking my mom that, and she would say, "Oh yeah, you're gonna do great." She says, "You gonna have business." I said, "Business?" She said, "Oh yeah, you're gonna have business." She said, "You're gonna travel all over the world. You're gonna be sitting down with presidents, vice presidents of other countries. You gonna have, <laughs> you gonna have money everywhere." I said, money? <laughs> and at that time, we didn't have one penny, much less two to, 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 to put together. And, and I'm sitting there looking at her like, it must be something wrong with her. But she just kept telling me that you're always going to do well with whatever you choose to do if you remember the things that I taught you. Hmm. And you know, one of the things that she taught you was... Uh, always do your best. Always do my best. And that your best is always good enough. Wow. Always good enough. And she would always tell me that. If and the reason she started telling me that, <laughs> I was half cleaning. <laughs> you know, I go because I wanted to go make mud cakes from time to time. Mm -hmm. When when she would let us do that, let me do that. And I remember this particular time I was running. Sweeping, I was sweeping, doing something in the house. And she said, as soon as you get that, you can go play for 30 minutes. I said, okay. So I rushed through it and she called me back and she said, look around. There's paper over there. There's something over there. What do you think about that? <laughs> and I'm like, I know it was wrong. I didn't want to get out of the house. Of so I went and got the broom and I started all over again. And when I finished, I, I came back and I said, well, what do you think about this? And she would tell me, she said, is that your best? And I would look at her and I would look at the floor and see if that's really my best. And I, and I said, yes, ma'am. And she says, as long as you do your very best, your very best would be good enough. Now, if you think this is your very best, then you can go outside. Woo! Woo! I mean, <laughs> you know, it took pressure. me about a whole minute to realize I may want to sweep this floor again. <laughs> but, yeah. but that is yeah. what she always said: as long as you do your best, your very best, mm -hmm. then it's good enough. Tell me about these puppy guts. Ah. One of your brothers, uh, y'all had an interaction one day. The result of it was your dad had to run you down, and your mother was cracking up on the porch laughing. Yes. Let's talk about those. Let's talk about that. I had a brother named W.C. Very interesting young man. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was real different. Very sweet, very kind, very mischievous, but. But if he loved you, he loved you. If he didn't like you, he wouldn't be around you. He couldn't stand you. He wouldn't. You wouldn't even have to worry about him. He just was not there. But him and I had a different type of relationship. You know, at that time we were playing, and um, I hit him, and I I start running, and at that time it was cold. It had been snowing. It was years and years and years ago. We hadn't seen snow, and I can't tell you when. But we had puppies, and the puppies had died. And so I hit my brother, and I took off running. He had to reach down on the, on the ground and picked up a, a stick. And he was running at me with the stick. And I'm like, if he, <laughs> if he 
catch me, you're going to beat me with the stick. <laughs> so I just took off and started running down the road. And my brother looked down and saw puppy guts. <laughs> he took the this stick. Is the, these, are, these are the decomposed, <laughs> decomposed remains. remains of a puppy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> of a puppy. He took the guts and he was running with them. He took the guts and all of a sudden he threw them. When he threw <laughs> When he threw them, they went around my neck. <laughs> and I could look down and I could, whoa! <laughs> Hang on to it. Hang on to it. I could look down and I could see all kinds of stuff that was mm. all in my chest, in my hair. And, and I took off and started running. And I was just running down the highway as fast as I could. And so all, let me ask you this. Was he no longer chasing you? He was on the ground laughing. <laughs> I'm looking around trying to see where he is. And he's down on the ground just beating the ground. <laughs> and so my, my dad took off in the car. I was running so fast and the car wouldn't do no more than 45. He said, he said, slow down. What is wrong with you? And I just started pointing at my stuff, this these guts around my neck. And my dad said, be still, be still. So he stopped. I'm standing there. <laughs> and my dad, instead of taking my hair and pulling up on top of my head because it was so long, my dad drug all those guts all over my hair and oh, everywhere. Lord. So I turned around and he said, go back to the house. And I turned around after walking so far, looking back at my day. He was laughing so hard. He was beating the car. And my mom, she was brown complexion. She was so pretty. She was standing there. I thought she was fanning flies. She was down on her knees, just just laughing with her hands, hitting her knees. And I'm like, I get to the house, and she said, oh, baby, look what you've done to yourself. <laughs> she said, what did you do? <laughs> And she was trying to compose herself. And she said, go on and get some cold water. I mean, some hot water. And I'm going to come in and wash your hair. Your <laughs> and my mom was just laughing. It's the first time I ever known my mom to laugh at me. She was just laughing up a storm. Wow. And what was even worse is when my grandmother came home from work she decided she wanted to tell my grandmother the story. Mm. And I heard these people in the room just laughing up a storm. And when I walked through the door, nobody said anything. And then all of a sudden, both of them looked at me and just bust out and started laughing. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was funny. But my brother was, oh, he was different. <laughs> I, I got to ask one more quick story about WC. Okay. Uh, your brother. Hmm. There was a time when food was scarce. You mean we didn't have any? Yeah, 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 right. There was no food. And he found a way to bring some groceries to the house. Yeah, he did some things he shouldn't have done. <laughs> Nobody could figure out how he did him, did that for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. there, was, uh, <clears throat> there was a store in Caseville. And we didn't have any food. You know, my mom uh, had passed. You know, we were trying to make end meat. We didn't have no food. So what had happened was my brother would go to the store and he learned that the owner of the store just hung his key up on the ring. Mm. I mean, in, in public, in front of everybody. Wow. He just hung it up. So my brother decided that he was going to borrow that key. <laughs> and so nobody could figure out what had happened to the key but the owner had another key at home so my brother would go there late at night he would go in and get sardines, peas, butter beans whatever was on the shelf he would have big garbage bags of all kinds of stuff and so when the the um, the owner came to work the next morning, he just said, "It's nothing wrong. Everything is fine." He had no idea that my brother had taken everything from the back and bought everything to the front after he had stole half of the food that was on that shelf. So he was rotating. <laughs> yeah, he was rotating. <laughs>
And that went on for the longest before he got caught. But, but I mean, that that's that's amazing because in the absence of your mom, mm -hmm. somebody had to step up. Yeah, he stepped know. too far. You know, I, I remember several times we didn't have meat. We had uh, all kinds of <laughs> stolen butter beans and peas. <laughs> We didn't have any meat, and we were just eating vegetables all the time. And one of my brothers asked me, he says, are, are we going to ever have meat again? And it worried me because there was no meat. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, we have chickens outside, so we can go get some chicken. So kill the chickens. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm going to cook them, make some dumplings, everybody be happy. And my mind kept saying, you don't want to throw the feet away. Just wrap the feet. And at that time, we didn't have um, a defreeze refrigerator, <clears throat> but we had an old ice chest. And there was a guy that came around once a week that we bought, paid 25 cents for a club of ice. And he would put it in this little chest, and I would take the feet and wrap them. And I remember my brother, one of my brothers said, we're never going to have meat again, are we? You know, and that just, <laughs> that really bothered me for him to say that. And I remember cleaning out the container that we kept the ice in, and there was like eight chicken feet. <laughs> and I would take the feet, and I would take a hatchet, and I would cut the, the feet up in small pieces. And I would take them and I would boil them down till they got as tender as they could. And I was sitting there doing that and I was looking out the window. And I remember that my mom used to get mushrooms and she would say, mushrooms taste like meat. <laughs> <laughs> and I would go outside and I would get the mushrooms and I would bring them in, wash them, and I would bring them in and I would slice them up. And I would take them and I would make flour gravy. And I would put the chicken feet in there and the flour gravy. And <laughs> and I would mix it until everything was really brown. And we always had rice. So I would take that and put rice over the top of Take the meat and put it over the top of the rice. And we would have that at dinner time. And I remember my brother said, Oh, we got meat. We got meat. Oh, I'm so glad we have meat. It was chicken feet and mushrooms. You had you had taken on the role of of, of uh, you know a housekeeper, and so you were concerned about that. Yeah, I was worried about that. You know, I used to sit many of days and a lot of times having just enough food for the family, mm -hmm. and I would not eat until everybody had food. And sometimes, sometimes it was not enough for me. And, uh, and whatever bread that we had, I would take the bread and put it in whatever gravy that was left in the pan and that's what I would eat. Because it was important that they had food and it was better for me not to. So, they wouldn't go to bed hungry, mm. <laughs> but it was it was hard times then, very hard times. You know, it's back to my mom telling me I'm gonna do all these wonderful things and uh, didn't have a clue <laughs> from the way that I we was living how any of that was gonna happen. Right. You know how any of that could be even possible for me because of my life and how hard it was and just trying to make ends meet from the little bit that we had. It was extremely hard, but God. But God. <laughs> but God. We're gonna, um, we're gonna take a break and come right back. There did come a time when the things your mother warned you about began to occur. Aside from the long, dark, cold, lonely night that you had, you had days 
of turmoil as well. Yes. And that and that was a very dark period <clears throat> after your mother left. Yeah, it was a uh, very bad time when my mom passed. Mm. People would. Um, Men folks would uh, <clears throat> would come up and hug me and say, "I'm so sorry to hear about your mom," but uh, <clears throat> in the same breath of a hug, there was a squeeze, there was a touch, there was a pat, there was. <laughs> very negative things, very bad things. Okay. And uh, seemed to always happen when my dad was gone or, <clears throat> or on a Saturday when the kids was going, going to their cousins down the street or, or something, mm -hmm. it was just, it was just not a good, it was not a good time. It was not a good time. Predators always know when to show up. Yeah. And it was people that you thought you could trust and that was going to be there. Those was the worst people in the world. It was not a good time. <laughs> it was not a good time at all. Mm. I, I used to think, what did I do? Even though my mom told me that you need to be a lady all the time, I kept saying, what did I do to make somebody want to touch me in the wrong way or to say things to me that was disrespectful or to tell me that I wasn't nothing? You ain't going to never be nothing. You know, you're not going to mount to a hill of beans. I got so sick and tired of hearing about a hill of beans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That you're not going to mount to a hill of beans. You know, and the more that somebody told me that, the more I kept thinking in my head that I got to show you. I got to show you. And, you know, it seemed like the more in my mind I kept saying, I got to show you. <laughs> the doorknob kept turning. And the abuse kept going on and on and on and on to the point <clears throat> I just wanted to die. I just made up my mind. I can't do this no more. And so you you had um, several attempts that you either took pills or you did something to try to end your life. Yeah. I took pills three times, <clears throat> and and I remember my aunt shaking me, my aunt Augustine was just shaking me, shaking me, shaking me, and saying, this girl is going to do something crazy. And I remember what that felt like. It felt like <clears throat> the suicide part that nobody wanted to be around me. Even the predators didn't want to be around me. And I thought, this is a great way to keep them from around me, is either pretend or try to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they didn't even show up. They were just away from me. But the moment everything got back to normal, here they come again, you know? Now, <clears throat> I know that at, at some point, you decided the pills were gonna do it. Yeah. I remember it was a long day, <clears throat> morning. I had gotten up, washing clothes, hanging them on the line, trying to get everything together for the kids' clothes together for, uh, for Monday. It was hot. It was a hot day. And everybody had left. And when I say everybody left, they, they was going to haul hay, they was going to do something, the kids was gone, or they really wasn't paying, younger kids wasn't really paying any attention. 
And I remember smelling a cigar and I knew that person was close. And I just knew that when I heard the door, it, it always made this funny noise. And I just remember running out the back door, just running, saying, I can't do this no more, I can't do this no more, I can't do this no more. And running to the top of a gravel pit, standing at the gravel pit, still scared to death because I keep hearing like somebody's running through the woods. And I'm like, I gotta get this over, I gotta get this over. And I just wanna die. And I remember asking God to forgive me because I, I heard that you don't go to heaven if you commit suicide. And I asked my mother to forgive me because I no longer can walk with my brothers and sisters. I just can't do this no more. I just want to die. And I, I remember just closing my eyes and falling off the back, turning my back to the gravel pit and falling back. And as I was falling back, it was just like I was in slow motion. And I thought I saw angels. I thought I saw clouds of angels. And when I fell, I remember thinking in my head as I was going down, it was just like I was in slow motion, that I'm going to die or break everything in my body. And when I fell, I fell on the top of a mattress that someone had thrown away. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's how I fell. That's amazing. That's happening. So you you run through the woods, your heart is racing, you know, you, you're afraid, you're fed up, you're frustrated, and all of this, and you th thought you were approaching peace. Yes. When you would give up your life. But God. <laughs> but God. But God had a plan. Yeah, He did. You know, and I got up. I, I laid there for a few minutes because I didn't think that I could move. And then I started to move and I thought my legs are broken, my arms are back or something because the fall was so high. And I got up. There was nothing wrong. I walked up to the back, the back of the house. And we had greens planted everywhere. And I picked some greens going into the house, trying to make sure nobody was in the house. And then I start cooking, cleaning greens, cooking greens. And I'm still naive, waiting to die, <laughs> waiting to die. And my thought was, if I die, my brothers would have food to eat and they would have clean clothes. Mm. Wow. That, that's what I was thinking. You know, if I die, at least they have a meal cooked. Right. Later on that night, you had an encounter with the Lord. <clears throat> talk, yeah. talk to me about that. Uh, later on that night, uh, I remember laying in the bed, and um, there was, we had cats. And <clears throat> something kept pushing my feet, and I kept thinking it was a cat, and I kept saying, scat. And it kept doing it again. And so when I pulled the cover off me, I didn't see anything or anybody or anything. So I got up and I went to the bathroom and I came back. And when I came back, I got in the bed, same thing happened. And I said, scat. And then it did it again. So I just pulled the cover over my head. And uh, I heard a voice that says, heal little faith. And it was so plain. It was so plain. I heard this voice again that says, He of little faith, John 14, 14. John 14 and 14. 14. Yeah. And I just laid there. And then I pulled the cover off of my head again because I thought it was my imagination. And I looked in the corner and the room was jet black. And there was an image of a light that was shining down of an image that I felt was God. Mm -hmm. 
And I heard the voice again. And I got up and I read my Bible and it says, ask anything in my name and it shall be done. That's what John 14, 14 said. Yeah. And all of a sudden there was a peace that hit me. And I remember going, getting on my knees and I started to pray. And that was the first time that I actually really prayed after my mother had passed. Mm -hmm. And I told God, you don't have to remove all of my pain. Just remove enough to let me know that you have not left me. Mm -hmm. I said, I just need to know that you have not left me. My mother said that I can always call on you. Because everybody else would have forsaken me but you. You know, and the word says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah. And he said, I'll never leave you, no forsake. And it was just a peace. And when I woke up the next morning, I was still on my knees. <laughs> and I got up, I went out, and everybody was gone. <laughs> and I don't know how long I had been there, but everybody had was up and they was gone doing something. And uh, I went outside and Helen Mays was coming, that's the male lady. And I walked to where she was, and that was the first time I had been out of the house in four years. Hmm. Because I was afraid, I was ashamed. Everybody was talking about me from one end of the street to the other. I was told <laughs> I'm nothing, I was not gonna be anybody, I was not gonna be anything. Hmm. And I remember Miss Mays saying, where have you been? I said, I've been here. She said, I haven't seen you in such a long time. I said, well, I've been here. And she said, it's nice to see you. <laughs> I got the mail and came on back in there. You know, um, there, was, there was a time when your sisters were separated from you. Yeah. And they were moved out of the house. Mm-hmm. My dad, um, my uncle and my aunt, came down, they talked to my dad about my two sisters coming to live with them because it was too much on me with all the other children. My uncle and my aunt took my sisters and they stayed at their house. And there were there was a time when y'all would sneak and meet each other in the woods. Yeah, there was a time that we would sneak and meet each other. And we would talk. Um, my uncle um, my, uh, and my aunt would come, uncle and auntie would come down to the house every day. And my aunt would stay while my uncle would go to the store. And he would go to the store, hang out there for a couple hours or so, and he would come back home. But during that time, because I had had a child, I was spoiled. That's what old folks call you back in the days, that you were spoiled and they didn't want other children, young girls to be around you. Mm -hmm. So we would write letters and put them in the top. At the, that time we did have running water and all that stuff. But they would put it, we would put it in the letter in an old Sally bag and put it in the top of the commode. And I would go in and read the letter and I would write and put one back. And that's how we communicated for years. Mm -hmm. wow. and until, you know, I ended up getting married and moving, but. But there was a time <clears throat> when y'all would sneak into the woods to meet yeah. that you bellowed out to the Lord to help you. Yeah, you know, it was, I felt, I felt upset, I felt angry, I felt frustrated that, why do I have this task, you know, and why am I so dirty, because that's what you feel, you feel dirty, why am I so dirty that I cannot sit in the same room with my sisters. Mm -hmm. 
And so we would meet in the woods. And I remember one day we knew exactly what time because we had already said we would meet in the woods and we would, uh, we would talk. And then we knew exactly what time everybody would be coming home and we would leave. We would say that maybe 30 minutes and we would, let, we would leave. And I remember running away. They would run one way and I would run the other. And then one day we just stopped and we just hugged each other. And I started singing a song, Oh, Help Me, Lord. And um, not knowing mm -mm. that uh, those that song would, would resurface. Yeah, uh, 40 years later. 40 years later. 40 years later. Later, that we used to have an old Bible and, you know, the big ones that everybody would buy and sit on the center of the table. Mm, and never read. Mm -hmm. That we never read. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember writing, writing the lyrics to what I, I'm thinking, a poem or whatever, but I ended up writing it, putting it in the Bible. And once my grandmother passed, the Bible was... Um, was given to my sister Sheila and Sheila kept the Bible for 40 years and one day she called me a couple years ago and she said Cover, you remember that song you used to sing Oh Help Me Lord and I said no she said you used to sing a song Oh Help Me Lord you remember when we used to meet in the woods and I said oh yeah I remember that she says I have it I said what do you mean you have it she said, I have the song. It said it was in the Bible. And so, got the song. That happened on a Wednesday, I believe. And on a Friday, we was recording the song. Hmm. Oh, help me, Lord. And we're going to hear that song right now. Okay, great. Help me, Lord. Wow, what an incredible cry out to God. And I know he heard your cry. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, tune in next week at this same time for the incredible conclusion to the Colleen Sanders story. You will hear about her business exploits and how God has allowed her to be successful and prosper her in so many ways. But you'll also hear about her ministry and the great things that she's doing for the kingdom. Be sure to go back and listen to part one by going to bbsradio.com slash new beginnings and click on the archives. You'll want to click on December 14th for part one of this series. Any last words, Ms. Sanders? I am very pleased and honored that you interviewed me today. So thank you so much, Mr. Gooch. Oh, it's been my pleasure. How can we get in touch with you? You can reach me at www.GenevaFoundationInc.org or at 601-501-1587. Awesome.
Thank you for listening to New Beginnings Radio, where we are planting seeds today for a better tomorrow and helping you take positive steps towards your freedom. We're here every Saturday evening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, as well as Monday morning at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. We hope that you will join us. May you ever be delighted with the presence of our Lord as you continue in His will. Have a great week, everybody.